and uh, happy Father's Day to all of our dads. Uh, today's message here, I believe, is for all of us today, um, primarily because since we're talking about Father's Day, and since we're talking about uh, God our Father, um, I think it'd be appropriate to see what God's Word has to say about uh, God our Father. Uh, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us uh, how to pray, and he said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, but uh, Jesus also taught that God is not everyone's father. In John 8, 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. In John 8, 44, he said, You are of the father of the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so God the Father is only of those who are led uh, by the Spirit of his Son, as Paul said in Romans 8, 9. Uh, he says, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. In uh, verse uh, 14, he says, all those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so despite popular unbiblical teachings such as we are all God's children or there's many ways that lead to God, um, not everyone can lay claim to the privilege of knowing God as their father. John uh, 113, Jesus says, only those who are born of God, he said, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Jesus told us in John 1.12, only those uh, that, are, that receive Christ, he says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And those who are led by the Spirit, Romans 8, 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So these are the only people that really are uh, children of God the Father. And so there are two reasons why I, I kind of begin this message here this morning on the Father's grace about God our Father. Number one, I believe that all human fatherhood should be patterned after God is how he reveals himself in Scripture. So as we, as uh, fathers who know the Lord, uh, we are supposed to be patterning our lives after our perfect father who's in heaven. And so to every father today, I would say to you, your guide should be to live in such a way that your children can see what God the father is like. That song that we just sang, Good, Good Father, the man who wrote that song, uh, he did not grow up with a good father. In fact, uh, when he went to go write the lyrics to that song, he went into the very room where he was beaten as a child, and he wrote the lyrics to that song. And he thought about how good God is to him and what a father he is to him. And so to dads today, they ought to see in you as a human father a reflection of the heavenly father in his strength and tenderness and his warmth and his mercy and his grace and his love. And so if you are a father today, young or old, with small children or grown children, your goal should be as an image bearer of God to your children. But secondly, I want to say this. The other reason why I begin with God our Father is to give this message relevance for everyone. Whether you are a father or not, 
Um, whether you had a Christian father or not, perhaps maybe you did not have a father like the one that we'll see here this morning as uh, God reveals himself in the scripture. Um, maybe God's grace uh, was not real in your life because your father did not live that out. But I would say to you that the father's grace is available for you today. And God offers his fatherhood to anyone who will accept the gift of adoption by repenting of their sins and turning and believing Jesus Christ, believing the gospel. And so there are two ways to listen to this message here this morning. Number one, you can take it as a reminder to yourself as a father of how you're to be an image bearer of your perfect father. And the second is to take it as a reminder of how much God loves us and desirous for us to know him as our father. So let's take a look at a couple scriptures here about the father's grace. And I just have two points here for you this morning about what the father's grace reveals to us about God, our father. And uh, let's see. Oh, it's not back there, is it? Nobody can see that. That's okay. We're going to look at scripture here. Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11 uh, number one, uh, the Father's grace teaches us about the heart of God. Listen to what Jesus has to say about this in Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11. He says, Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? How can we know what kind of Father God is? How can we know what kind of, what kind of Father our Heavenly Father is? By knowing his heart. And I believe God reveals himself through the scriptures. He shows us exactly who he is. It's no mystery. We don't have to sit there and wonder who God is. He's laid it all out for us in his word. And so God reveals his heart to us as he makes himself known throughout the scriptures. When we think about God and his grace, we learn something about him. Listen again what Jesus had to say. He's giving us this illustration about fathers and their children. And he says, Over which one of you, if his son asks him for bread... Will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then who are evil, think about that. The father calls us evil. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You see, God's attitude is always that of grace. He's always giving us what we do not deserve. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor with God. It's nothing that we can earn. It's nothing that we can work up on our own. God just liberally gives it to us. As we've been looking at in Ephesians about how God lavishly pours grace upon our lives as he gives out of the uh, according to his riches. That's grace in our life. And so the Father gives to us exactly what we don't deserve. I love this text here in Matthew because it shows to us the very heart of God. 
that his heart is that of grace towards you and towards me. And he gives it perfectly to us. I remember hearing a story about four men that were in the hospital waiting room because their wives were having babies. A nurse goes up to the first guy and says, congratulations, you're a father of twins. The man says, well, that's odd. He says, I work for the Minnesota Twins. Nurse says to the second guy, congratulations, you're the father of triplets. Wow, that's weird. He says, I work for the 3M company. Nurse then tells the third man, congratulations, you're the father of quadruplets. That's strange, he answers. I work for the Four Seasons Hotel. The last man is groaning and banging his head up against the wall. What's wrong, says the nurse. He says, I work for 7-Up. <laughs> you see, irregardless of how many children you may have, that little life that came into the world, into this world, changed your world. You see, as our children are growing and have grown, we have seen them at different stages of life. Listen to how God's grace was extended to the children of Israel as he cared for them in grace. In Hosea, in the book of Hosea, we learn about how God called Hosea a prophet to go and marry a prostitute. And it was supposed to be a picture of the father's heart chasing after his children, chasing after his wife, his bride, uh, the Israel. And in Hosea 11, verses 1 through 4, listen to the very heart of God that he has towards his children. He says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to Baals and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love to them. I was like one who lifts a child to the cheek and I bent down to feed them. You know, when I became a father, it really taught me how God, my father, loves me and cares for me. I remember uh, after Evelyn was born, uh, we had a, a crib there, and we were in a time of transition. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what God was doing. Everything was, was before me was unknown. I didn't know what was going to happen. And here I remember going into the room there and Evelyn is asleep, safe and sound. She doesn't know anything that is going on. And there I leaned over that crib and I cried and I said, oh God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And the heart, my heart towards my child, I want to take care of her and provide for her. And that is the same tenderness that God has for us who know him as his children. I wanted for my child to have care even when she didn't even know of it. What do we learn about our father's heart towards us? Well, we learned that he is in control of every situation. Do you trust God? Do you trust your father? Do you trust him? 
You see, because of his graciousness towards us, we should know that his ways are always best for us because he loves us. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Maybe you grew up with a father who was absent, who was not there. Maybe he was there, but he was checked out. God the Father says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus said, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. I believe Romans 8, 32 through 35 really summarizes God's grace for us and we see how much he cares for us. Listen to these words in Romans 8, 32 through 35. He says, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I believe it's interesting to see that tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and sword are all permitted by God. But yet in all of these things, none of them can separate us from the love of Christ. God is in control. Do you trust his grace? Do you trust him? I believe also we learn about the, the heart of God, that he is good. God is good. Turn to the person next to you and say that. Say, God is good. God is good. He is good. He is always good. Mark 10, 18, Jesus said, there is none good but God. Psalm 119, verse 68, David said, you, God, are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Psalm 145, 9 says, the Lord is good to all and his mercies are over all his works. Psalm 86, 5 says, for you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. Psalm 106.1 says, Praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. James 1.17 says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is given from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Nahum 1.7 says, The Lord is good a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who take refuge in him. God is good. He's always good. This is the Father's heart that is revealed to us through Scripture. How do we know that he's good? Because of his grace. And he reveals that to us, and he shows that to us. But I believe also we see that he is generous God's natural characteristic is that he is generous. In creation alone, think about this. In creation alone, we see an extravagance of color, complexity, and design that goes far beyond simple functional value. 
My parents are from uh, New Mexico. The only color that they have out there is brown. But there is a beauty to behold in the desert. If you go out there into Arizona and you drive along out there, you can see the painted desert. And you can see all the colors in the desert, in the rocks, formations. Beauty that we behold. God is so generous towards us. You see, the greatest demonstration of God's father heart towards us seems to come from attention, the attention that he gives to the details of our life. He surprises us with those extra things, those little pleasures and treasures that only a father would know that we would yearn for. Have you ever had bunny cereal? Or how about animal cookie cereal? You say, what is that? That is a pleasure, that is a treasure that I as a father give towards my daughter. Bunny cereal is simply tricks. She calls it bunny cereal because she can't say tricks, but she sees the bunny. And she comes up to me, she says, bunny cereal, bunny cereal, bunny cereal. And as a father, I want to be generous. I want to give that to her. Or sometimes she'll ask for animal cookie cereal, which is basically Cheerios with two animal cookies in it. (laughs) I want to be generous towards her. God is not stingy. He's not possessive or materialistic. You see, we use people to get things. But God uses things to bless people. Dads, why as fathers do we need to know God and learn of God? Why do we need to behold his beauty and his majesty? Because as fathers, we should be a reflection of our heavenly father. If you want to know how to be a good father, a great father, a father that is following after God, behold God in the scriptures And learn from him. Be transformed by him. Allow the glory of God to change you and transform you into who you should be. I want to show you a second thing about the Father's grace. Secondly, the Father's grace teaches us about the gospel. Because of the Father's grace, the undeserved merit and favor upon our lives, it gives us insight to what the gospel is. Many people have a very skewed view of what the gospel is. What is the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, Paul says it very plainly and very specifically. He says this. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. I preach to you which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain... What is the gospel, Paul? Here it is. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Within that message, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the dynamite, life-changing power of God. 
1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is folly, it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see, the gospel is not a one-time event. The gospel is an ongoing, active part of every believer's life, or it should be. You see, if we just, if we say, okay, I received Jesus, I have Christ, Christ dwells within me, and we live our life apart from the gospel, you are living a life without the power of God in your life. The gospel is a life-changing message. You see, because of the Father's grace in our life, it shows us the worthiness and the power of the gospel. What is the grace that is shown in the gospel and in our lives? It's the power to change. You and I cannot be the type of father that we need to be without the power and the message of the gospel. Christian believer, you cannot be the faithful follower of Jesus Christ without the gospel. Lost religious churchgoer, nice guy, nice neighbor. You need the life-changing message of the gospel. You need to be reconciled to God. See, dads, we don't have to be the father we used to be. The gospel changes us. The father's grace gives us the ability to change. It's so interesting. I mean, we have dads of all kinds of different walks and backgrounds of life here. Maybe you've picked up certain habits in your life because that's the way your dad was or that's because the way that the world has, has treated you and you've picked up all of these things and you say, well, that's just the way I am. Sorry, wrong answer. If you know Christ as your savior, you have the ability to change, to be transformed formed by the power of the gospel. Listen to what Paul writes to the believers in Ephesus in Ephesians 4, 17 through 20. I'm so excited to get here. We we'll probably won't be there uh, for at least a couple months, but listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 4, 17 through 20. He says, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Paul says that the Gentiles, those that do not know the Lord, he says, this is how they live. They lived in the fertility of their mind, the fruitlessness, the pointlessness of their mind. You think about life. You go to work to get the money, to buy the food, to get the strength, to go to work. It's pointless. 
And if all you do, a Christian dad, Christian believer in the Lord, if all you are living your life is just in this pointlessness of life, you are missing out on the most life-changing message of the gospel, the power to change, to be transformed, is what Paul says. He says these people are alienated from the life of God. They live an ignorant life. They have hard hearts. They're callous. They've given themselves up to sensuality, greed, and practice every kind of impurity. And so this picture describes each of us before we met Christ. And that's why Paul says here, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And he creates a stark contrast here in verse 20. He says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Christ gives us the power to change. Christ gives us the ability to have a transformation in our life. And so you see this difference here. And Paul says, you were this way, but that is not the way that you learned Christ. So how has the gospel changed your life? How has it transformed you? How is the good news that Jesus bore the wrath of God for you on the cross to put you in right relationship with God changed your life? How has Jesus shaped who you are today? If the answer to those questions is mostly defined by by what you are or what you aren't doing, such as I don't gossip, I don't lie, I don't do this, I don't do that, I go to church, I do this, I do that, then you may not be experiencing the fullness of the gospel. You see, the full power of the gospel not only overcomes sin, but it transforms us. Make no mistake about this. Jesus did not come to bring about moral reformation. Jesus came to bring about a spiritual reformation resurrection and that's what we need fathers that's what we need if we are going to be the type of father that reflects the heart of God to our children we need spiritual resurrection living a new life in Christ and so God takes us from wrath to blessing he calls us out of darkness to live in light that's what God does And so if all you've done is put off your old self, you don't swear, you don't drink too much, you don't steal, you don't gossip as much, your transformation is limited. You need the power of the gospel, the new life to be able to live the new man. You see, the changed life stems from the transformation that God works in us through the gospel Fathers, we are not perfect fathers. We're imperfect. We make mistakes. We fail. We sin against our children. What do we need? We need the gospel. We need the life-changing transformation of the gospel to transform us. We need to be reflecting his image our children. Listen here quickly is the way Paul defines for us this amazing grace that is in the gospel. In Ephesians 5 verses 1 through 2, he says, therefore be imitators of God. 
Be an imitator of God. It's funny, Evelyn, the things that she has picked up. And sometimes I'm like, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. But she imitates everything that I do. She watches everything that I do. And she imitates because that's what she knows. That's what she is pattering her life after. And so Paul says, the life-changing message of the gospel allows us to be an imitator of God. He goes on further and he says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us in offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. How am I to be an imitator of God? How am I to walk in love? (laughs) This is the power of the gospel. You can't do it by yourself. That's why you need the life-changing power of Christ to transform you so that you will be an imitator of God, so that you will have the ability to walk in love. That's why we need the gospel every single day of our lives. You see, we surrender our weakness, our desires, our self to Christ, and that old man is crucified. And there is a new man, a resurrected man, that is born through, the, through Christ's work on the cross. And we live through Christ. And we're able to be an imitator of God and to walk in love. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So dad, where are you at? Have you been transformed by the power of the gospel? Are you actively being transformed by the gospel to be an imitator of God, to walking in love, to being an image bearer of your heavenly father? That's what we need. If you're without Christ, I urge you, I urge you, repent of your sins and believe the gospel. Turn to God. He's waiting with gracious arms to welcome you. And you need to repent. Let's pray together.